has devoted around a year to complete the trip, but is prepared to take longer. She'll take breaks to work and save up money on round if she has to. She laughed describing the pack saddle she ordered from the United States. I had no idea how to put it together. Nothing comes with instructions, she says. Her arsenal now includes her lightweight camping gear, food, a Spartan wardrobe, maps and a compass, a portable electric fence for the horses, a satellite beacon that can summon help in emergencies, and five books including On the Trail of Genghis Khan by Tim Cope and About a Boy by Nick Hornsby. Like any prolonged encounter with nature, long riding comes with its dangers. Already, for instance, at the time of this writing, Delavere has already seen three snakes on the trail. She further runs the risk of bumping into wild horses, pigs, dogs, wolves, crocodiles, and bushfires. And that's just the start of a laundry list of possible problems. Long riders contend with horse thieves, wild animals, bad weather, poisonous plants, traffic, rough terrain, and getting lost. But perhaps one of the most pernicious evils Leyte faced on his journey from Canada to Brazil was one of human design. The bureaucracy of crossing borders with three horses was just unbearable, says Leyte. It makes you want to shoot yourself in the head. Leyte was stopped at the border of Panama, an ordeal that ended up lasting three months and ending in a $30,000 plane ride for his horses, Bruiser, Frenchie, and Dude. Altogether, Leyte estimates his excursion cost around $120,000, much of which was paid for by a deal to chronicle his trip for production company Outwild TV. Solitude also waits on the trail. In 1992, New Zealander Ian Robinson rode a total of 14 horses 1,677 miles across Mongolia. In later years, he rode through Tibet and Afghanistan. On that first trip, he was ill-prepared. Looking back now, I thought, oh my god, that was fucking nuts, you know, he says. But at the time, I didn't quite know what I was getting myself in for. So there was kind of the courage of fools, if you want to call it that. He didn't have a flashlight. He had never fished a horse out of a muddy bog before. But it was the mental struggle that surprised him. I think the thing I learned in Mongolia was the challenge of solitude, of spending months at a time without meeting anybody who could speak my language, says Robinson. Long writers call this the long quiet, something Canadian Bonnie Falcons came to know well during journeys through Mongolia and Kazakhstan, where she photographed eagle hunters, endured landscapes ravaged by desertification, and was beset with fleas, which she successfully banished with hair dye. Just because you're riding and you have fleas doesn't mean you don't have to look good. Viewing the universe above the vast Mongolian plains and desert from the back of a horse was so profound it was as if I was traveling in outer space. Upon returning to her home in Canada, the sound of telephones ringing unsettled her. She couldn't stand being in busy stores. It took her two months to reacclimate. Occasionally, horses and riders do not make it home. In 2013, rider Christine Henchy was struck and killed by a bus during her ride through Africa. The Guild's website includes a memorial section for horses that succumbed to falling off cliffs, carnivorous flies, poisonous snakes, and other calamities. Riders must be prepared to basically be a vet, says Leyte. One of his horses was struck by a truck. Leyte treated him, and he recovered. His horses are now retired on his family ranch in Brazil, where they just eat grass, drink water, and poo all day. The constant concern is your horse, says Robinson. Before yourself, you're thinking about your horse. You think about your horse all the time. 
There's no horse. There's no ride. So why suffer the danger, discomfort, and isolation? You're not connected to a road, says Robinson. You can go anywhere you like. Even the best four-wheel drive is not going to get you there. You don't even need a trail or anything. Your horse will carry you anywhere. Leite says that he, like many riders, worry that the tradition of horse travel is fading and was encouraged by those he met on the road who were captivated by his mission and gave him food and shelter, among other things. I was given a woman's ashes in Colorado, says Leite. I was given a horse in New Mexico, a dog in Brazil. Falkins reflected on the long quiet when asked why she kept going. It doesn't take a great deal of bravery, really, she says. It takes considerable stamina, and I think it takes stick-to-itiveness, and then you get these strange rewards. You get in this mind place you didn't expect. And it happens to anybody, every long rider.